This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, June 8th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. Governor Pritzker is courting EV battery makers with lucrative incentives for Illinois plants. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, in a surprising turn, jobless claims surged to their highest level since the fall of 2021. Joining us now to discuss this is Peter Cardillo, Chief Market economist at Spartan Capital Securities in New York. Peter, thank you for joining us today. Uh, How do you interpret this uh, sudden jump in uh, first-time jobless claims? Yes, I think, uh, you know, there might be uh, a little bit of a a reason for this, and uh, that reason is simply that uh, we've had the holiday, uh, Memorial Day, and so uh, people um, did not file, and then, of course, they filed combined with the previous with the uh, uh, post holiday week and so uh, that may have uh, somewhat um, uh, um, expanded the numbers and of course uh, you know uh, if you look at um, some of the factors that are involved there I think uh, it, it indicates that uh, perhaps if this continues that we finally have reached a uh, plateau in the job market, and that means that uh, we should see less jobs creation going forward. But it sounds like everybody is taking a wait and see attitude about this. Uh, if the trend continues next Thursday, exactly. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, uh, an aberration you might say due to the holiday. So we have to see if this trend continues. Now we've uh, had some uh, um, previous. Uh, uh, back-to-back weeks where we saw uh, claims go up, but then, of course, uh, that reversed. And, and the key is now, is this for real or is this uh, uh, just another aberration? Data-dependent has been the North Star of Fed Chair Jay Powell during the tightening cycle. Uh, is this one data point that could potentially make a difference as they decide about uh, raising or pausing interest rates in June, or is it simply one of many? No, I think it's one of many. I don't think this, uh, you know, seals uh, seals uh, uh, the Fed's decision next week. I, I do believe that uh, the chances for a skip. Um, is probably greater than a hike. And, of course, you know, um, if we look what happened with uh, the Bank of Australia this week and the, and, and the Bank of Canada both turned around and uh, raised interest rates and basically said that the job is not over due to inflation. But here in the States, um, I think, you know, uh, um, the Fed – 
probably has the luxury, when I say the luxury, in the sense that, you know, inflation, while it's still very elevated, has not really uh, reversed. And if you looked at the uh, labor report data that we got uh, last week at the beginning of, the, of June, uh, you, you'll notice that uh, we had two consecutive months of where uh, hourly wages rose by zero three tenths of a percent. So that simply indicates that while, um, you know, inflation re- remains elevated in, in other sectors of the economy as well, but we're not accelerating. And that's good news for the Fed. So I think that's where, uh, you know, the Fed might say, okay, we're going to skip and we're going to look at the data next month. And if need be, then we'll begin raising again. Peter Cardillo, Chief Market Economist at Spartan Capital Securities in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, Governor Pritzker woos EV battery makers. We'll have the details. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Governor Pritzker is personally courting EV battery makers to expand into Illinois. Joining us now with the details is Greg Hines, columnist for Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thank you for joining Joining us today, uh, some of these reports indicate that he's having uh, multiple conversations with multiple companies. Does that mean they will all relocate or locate a battery plant in Illinois? Or is this a case where, uh, to quote uh, the great philosopher Meatloaf, uh, two out of three ain't bad? <laughs> uh, at this point, Rob, I think one out of three wouldn't be bad from Illinois. And the fact of the matter is Illinois kind of started out ahead in the EV race, uh, largely because we have Rivian downstate, uh, which converted the old Mitsubishi plant. And then we got a, a bus producer up in the Chicago area. But to, to, to really anchor that and attract other ones, we really need a battery maker because uh, batteries are critical to uh, to uh, electric vehicles. And we haven't been able to get one yet, even though uh, they've been putting them in uh, all kinds of announcements in Ohio and Indiana and and. Uh, and uh, Michigan and, and Georgia and places like that. So the state has now gone through two rounds of incentives, and the latest round of incentives is really rich. The state says it puts us, it puts us in, a, in a position to compete with anybody else. And the centerpiece is a $400 million uh, uh, deal closing fund, is what they call it. That uh, uh, Okay, we've given, we've given you the, uh, the, the tax breaks, we've given this and that, but you need a little bit more, boom, we can give you up to $400 million bucks to close the deal. And they're taking that to a series of companies uh, that uh, Illinois, by all indications, is on, is on the short list for all three. Uh, I hear good things. Everybody's optimistic, but uh, until it happens, it hasn't happened. And uh, some of these plants, or at least one, could be located on the fringes of the Chicago area, just beyond Joliet, in Morris, uh, southwest of Chicago. Yeah, what, what, I know, what I know and what I reported is that... Uh, is that uh, Prisker was out there personally uh, about a week and a half ago. He, he literally walked out of a bunch of negotiations in Springfield to take a quick drive there, met with the CEO of the company that's said to be a, a European uh, battery maker, and they toured the site. There was a helicopter, uh, and they put more than six hundred million dollars in incentives on the on the table. I've heard that from multiple sources who are in a position to know. Um, uh, the the folks in Mars won't. It won't specifically confirm that because there's non-disclosure agreements and this kind of things. But uh, with a nod and a wink, they say, "Oh, we've got this wonderful, wonderful 400 acres here. Uh, it's in a TIF district, uh, and we're looking for something special here—not just ordinary manufacturing, something really special. We got lots of people courting it." 
That all sounds very promising, uh, you know, but again, until it happens, it hadn't happened. What are the wins outside of uh, just the jobs and the economic development? Uh, is it a win to just tell the rest of the country that Illinois did land a battery plant? I think it's a little more fundamental than that. Um, for for most of the last 50 years, Rob, um, Illinois has been on the short end of economic development. All the industries of tomorrow have tended to go other places. They've gone to Georgia, they've gone to Florida, they've gone to California. This, for a change, is for Illinois, it gives us a chance to get out on the ground floor of, a, of something that really gonna, is going to be going going for decades and decades. Everybody knows that the internal combustion engine sooner or later is going to be phased out pretty much, and we're going to go to electric. Um, but whether we can make that transition, given our history of bad uh, that, uh, business conditions here and high taxes, that's the trick. Uh, Pritzker seems to be really trying. I give him, I give him a lot of credit. Um, uh, on the incentive side, we seem to be matching up, and we certainly have a, a labor force, but our property taxes are high, uh, and there's some other things that the business community doesn't like about doing business here. So we'll see if it's enough. But, uh, you know, if you don't try, you don't get. Hopefully we'll get. Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, tips on how teens and grads can cash in on the hot labor market. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The tight labor market is giving teens and recent grads more job opportunities at higher pay. Joining us now with some key advice is Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert at Robert Half here in Chicago. Michelle, thank you for joining us today. Is the jobs market for teenagers so tight, so hot, uh, that the teenager in your life should get the Armani suit and the expensive sunglasses and a phone and just kick back on a desk somewhere and try to play the uh, hot dog stand off against the golf course? <laughs> well, I don't know about all of that, but they certainly have a lot more opportunities available to them for work, and yes, definitely at higher pay. And, and, and you said this a couple of weeks ago, that this may be the best earning environment for summer jobs and summer job seekers possibly ever. Definitely. Um, you know, pay rates are have risen over the course of the last year or two um, based on demand. You know, even minimum wages have moved up. And so with such a tight labor market, um, teens have an opportunity to see some of the best pay they've ever seen, and and it's not just uh, summer jobs that were you know the, what you think are the traditional ones uh, at a restaurant or a golf course or at a pool as a lifeguard. Uh, some teenagers do get summer jobs in an office. Absolutely, um, we work with a lot of uh, college students, you know, home for the summer, even graduates that have an opportunity to get a professional eight to five job if they want it because again the demand is so high if you've got good skills good communication skills computer skills etc you can certainly take on entry-level roles in an office and then this is a case uh, if you are applying for an office job uh, chances are you are filling out an application online or submitting a resume online and uh, if that's the case uh, ai could be your best friend or your worst enemy. And uh, there are some things that you can do uh, when when uploading your resume to make sure that uh, AI is on your side. Absolutely. You want to make sure that you have a very clean resume, consistent, that it lists out your skills, your education, anything that would be a good match for what's required for the job. 
and just be cautious of not being too creative. You know, we've never recommended pictures be on a resume, so you want to stay away from that, you know, or any type of fancy hyperlinks, et cetera. You know, again, clean is always the best, um, whether it's human eyes that are laying on that resume or some sort of AI tool. Yeah, because there are so many resume templates that you can get even for free now uh, that are very complicated. And they're designed to be eye-catching to a human resume reader, but don't really mean a hill of beans to an algorithm. Absolutely, absolutely. And even to human eyes, right? Too busy Um, distracts away from what are your true skills. And so that's what you want to hone in and focus on. Keep it clean and consistent. And oftentimes, you know, connect with your referrals because that's probably what's going to get you the job. Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert with Robert Half in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead, it's Technology Thursday. We'll take a look at how artificial intelligence will play an important role in advancing space tourism. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Charges have been filed against the boyfriend for concealing the death of a woman who had been reported missing last week. Air quality alerts remain in the Northeast due to smoke reaching the area from wildfires burning in Canada. On this Technology Thursday, we'll examine how advancements in artificial intelligence technology will enable new frontiers in space tourism. Plus, we'll look at how artificial intelligence advancements will impact the future of the shipping industry. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 147 points. The NASDAQ is up 100. And the S&P 500 is up 19. 72 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies at 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, a boyfriend has been charged with concealing the death of a 33-year-old woman from Logan Square who had been reported missing. Last week, here's WBBM's Bernie Tafoya. Police say Brittany Battaglia's body was found in her boyfriend Genesis Silva's home in the 2000 block of North Kimball, about a block from where Battaglia had lived. Silva is charged with hiding her death and obstructing a police officer. He's a convicted sex offender put on probation in 2009 for sexually abusing his now ex-wife. Battaglia's brother says this last week has been a disaster for his family. The Cook County Medical Examiner's Office says Battaglia died of multiple excised wounds. A former acquaintance of Silva's tells the Sun-Times Silva was really into knives and had a collection of them and always had one with him. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio, 1059 WBBM. Tens of millions of Americans in the Northeast remain under air quality alerts because of hundreds of wildfires burning in Canada. Health experts have warnings for the most vulnerable, including children, the elderly, and those with lung problems. The New York City skyline is shrouded in smoke. 
and there's a haze over Washington, D.C. When the sun comes out, it has a strange glow about the city. Air quality in the cities is now among the worst in the world. The levels of health concern, it really sent shockwaves throughout the entire city and this region. Schools in New York and Washington canceled all outdoor activities, and Writers Guild picket lines were halted. The bad air quality extends south to the Carolinas and west to Cleveland and Indianapolis. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, New York. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are higher today. Joining us now with the latest on what's moving Wall Street is Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director of Clearstead Advisors in New York. Jim, I, I think I can see you through the uh, through the haze and the smoke from those Canadian wildfires. What's it like for you? Do you feel like a brisket after a couple of days of uh, marinating in smoke? Well, actually, um, I'm on the east end of Long Island, about 90 miles from New York, and it's not bad out here. But all of my children are in Manhattan, and they tell me they've never seen anything like it. Uh, since 9-11, and you had all the smoke from the towers going down, uh, the, the air hasn't been that bad. But it's, apparently it's a little better today, but it's going to linger for a few more days. So not, not a happy period for New York City. Well, let's talk about uh, a, a concerning piece of data, and I'm just saying it's concerning because we don't really know where it's going just yet, and that is this uh, sudden jump in uh, unemployment claims. Is this simply a function of the fact that the unemployment office was closed last Monday, or is this the start of a uh, is this the start of a trend? Well, it's too early to tell. You can't make uh, any serious investment decisions based on on uh, uh, one piece of data. But if you look at the pattern of of everything that we've seen over the last several months, you would expect a slowdown, and it's been uh, at least a slowdown, and it's been later than expected. And uh, most most people are now saying uh, third quarter, which is right around the corner. So if we can develop a conviction that we are going to have some sort of a slowdown and we come into it with corporate profits as strong as they have been in exceeding uh, expectations, and if we can have the Fed sort of take its uh, foot off the, uh, the, the, the neck of the, the economy, uh, you, might, you might have what they call a soft landing, a slowdown without, it, without destroying corporate profits, a, a moderate increase in unemployment, a gradual continued decrease in inflation. And uh, that picture, uh, if that's the way it turns out, would allow 2024 to be a better year for the economy, profits, interest rates, and inflation. The, uh, the Fed policy meeting is next week, and everyone seems to be betting on the idea that the Fed is going to pause uh, during the month of June. They are not going to hike uh, like they have at the previous policy meetings. Uh, and, and, and they've basically come out and said that through their various uh, media organs. Uh, does the potential for a surprise still exist? That would be devastating to the markets. I think that if they wanted to get that message out, uh, they have means to do that. They have a Wall Street Journal reporter uh, who they tend to signal through. Uh, and uh, I, they don't like to surprise the market. So I think what you're going to get is a hawkish skip. They're going to characterize it as a skip, not a pause. 
they're going to keep the option to resume uh, increasing rates uh, in July. And that's what the market expects. And if, in fact, if that's what happens, I think the market can deal with it because it will give us another uh, f- uh, another month to, to uh, examine the effects of the 500 basis point increases we've had so far to see whether the uh, claims data continue to rise, to see whether the economy slows. It may be that they don't have to go in July, but they'll keep that optionality. And it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, it really does make sense to kind of stop and take your breath. I mean, how many other times in history has the Fed raised rates by 5% over the course of a year? And what kind of impact did that have on the economy? Yeah, it's always been negative. But don't forget, we came into this with excess savings from the stimulus programs uh, due to COVID. So you, you, the, the history, history is not the same, but it rhymes. So this is this will be similar to past increases in in interest rates, but not exactly the same because uh, uh, consumers came into it in such good shape. And the Fed reported this morning, in fact, that the net worth of of the consumer sector actually increased in the first quarter, as the declines in real estate were offset by the uh, interest income from money market balances and and stock market gains. So. Uh, there should there should at least be a slowdown, but there's, it doesn't have to be terrible. Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director of Clearstead Advisors in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, space tourism is about to take a giant leap forward thanks to AI. We'll have the details. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday on the Noon Business Hour. Today, we're taking a look at how AI can help propel space tourism in a big way. Joining us now with the details is Paul Hockman president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thank you for joining us today. Uh, how will AI make the uh, uh, allow space tourism to uh, leap off the page and become a little more accessible, uh, make it accessible to uh, millionaires and not just billionaires? <laughs> Which just only includes you, is that correct? You oh, yeah, that's be- right. I've, yeah. I've, I, I, you should see my deal. <laughs> okay, well, I'll have to look at it from space because here's what AI is enabling. Okay, um, what it's enabling is it, basically when you when you bring take a giant step back before we get into the particulars, what AI essentially promises, and a lot of people are obviously seeing that promise realized, is that it makes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decisions, sometimes thousands of them, in seconds. And when you're driving a car, the stakes are high. Obviously, if you're if AI is involved. Uh, when you're flying a plane, the stakes are a little higher because obviously you don't have much. Uh, there's there's less leeway there. And then finally, in spaceflight, you know there are literally millions of variables in play. So what space tourism depends on is those good decisions being made by people who aren't necessarily qualified to do so. In other words, if you're a tourist and you're just the millionaire who can afford it now and you want to go up, if all these decisions are have to be made by you, then obviously you need years of training. You need to be an astronaut. Well, what AI is promising is that a lot of those decisions are going to be made by AI so that the tourist, the space tourist, does not have to be highly qualified to fly in the first place. That's sort of the, the biggest first benefit of AI. But as I understand, I mean, whether it's Blue Origin or the uh, Virgin spacecraft, there are qualified pilots, astronauts who are flying the spacecraft. And all you have to do as the passenger is uh, just stare out the window and and, and contemplate the uh, contemplate your existence. Well, that's that's exactly right. But as you know, um, 
when a when a when a basically an aircraft like that takes off, weight is everything. In other words, the less you can bring on board, the better, because it takes a ton of fuel to uh, achieve what they call escape velocity to get the whole thing out of the atmosphere. Fine. Well, if you can remove one of the two qualified astronauts who are running the show so the space tourists can, in fact, just enjoy the view, as you said, and that's, that's probably their, their, uh, their goal, then that, that's a gigantic benefit. So, in essence, AI is designed in part to remove excess astronauts. Now, back to the, but, you know, some of the other benefits of this, among other things, is spacecraft design and engineering. AI is also helping with that to essentially lower the amount of weight in all kinds of ways that don't lower the amount of strength or reliability. Um, AI is also ensuring comfort of the folks who are on board because it can monitor their physical and mental health. And that's important, obviously, for a space tourist not used to, to that uh, experience and certainly not trained. So AI is contributing to lots of uh, basically refinements, so reduced weight, reduced decision-making, uh, reduced gear. Uh, it really all adds up to a better experience, theoretically, for that space tourist. Now, this is a case where maybe I've just been propagandized by too many astronaut hero books, but there have been many instances in test flights or in space flight where the astronaut has actually beaten or enhanced AI either in space or in the simulator. So the idea that you're removing a human pilot from the equation and letting AI carry the day makes me, as the millionaire passenger, very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, first of all, let's just be clear. Maybe removing an astronaut, all not all astronauts. That's number one. Number two, yeah, let's harken back to Apollo 13. I mean, um, and it wasn't, remember, Tom Hanks flying it back, although we all remember it that way. The point is that Apollo 13, the systems shut down. The only way they all got back alive was the astronauts made decisions on the fly, in some cases, analog, analog decisions that, were, that did no more or less than save those people's lives. So to your point, yeah, that's exactly right. If you just cut human beings out of the equation entirely, you may be cutting out the most valuable element or most valuable variable in this equation. So I'm 100% on board, literally and figuratively, if I become a millionaire, uh, with you on that ship if there's an astronaut around. So make no mistake, I think AI is amazing. It's doing some fantastic things, but I think astronauts still matter. Well, Paul, I will see you on the uh, star-studded next uh, space tourism flight. Uh, you, <laughs> me, uh, Shelley Winters, uh, Gene Hackman, and uh, Jack Albertson. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Bring the whiskey. <laughs> Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor of the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, a look at how advancements in AI will affect the future of nautical shipping. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The latest vehicles to implement AI and autonomous technology into their operations are shipping vessels. Helping us understand how it will transform the industry is Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University here in Chicago. Joe, thank you for joining us today. Uh, when it comes to uh, the shipping industry, whether it's uh, a passenger vessel or the uh, gigantic freighters that carry uh, hundreds of containers across the oceans, I mean, how much what is the degree to which uh human input uh goes into the operation and navigation of these vessels i mean do you still have a person behind the wheel as it goes across the ocean you know there's a real uh momentum on this now last few months have brought some exciting developments but yeah those are the questions people are asking is where human intervention stays uh, part of the mix so these big huge vessels 
uh, are quite uh, suitable for automation, given the uh, international waters they're in, the uh, collision avoidance technology that's there. And, you know, a preliminary step is to have them be navigated uh, remotely. So somebody is in a, a control room, uh, mission control style, uh, managing this. But the long-term plan is perhaps to have uh, completely autonomous ships that make all their own decisions, uh, perhaps until they get close to shore. Is this a safety issue, or is this just simply a case of uh, increasing the margins that these uh, shipping lines get uh, out of these vessels, because then you don't have to house and feed a human crew for a week at a time? Oh, that's right. And you look at the kind of jobs that come with uh, international marine shipping, and these are uh, hard jobs to fill. People are away from home for a long time. It's uh, arduous work. You're on a vessel that uh, the design of the vessel has to be such that you don't have uh, seasickness. So you you sacrifice some capacity uh, to serve the crew, uh, the quality of their life. And, And the sense is if we can reduce human involvement on the ship itself, we can carry more cargo. There's climate change, uh, climate, uh, 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 you know, reductions in greenhouse gases and so forth, with fewer fewer ships needed. And uh, costs are just huge. They're 42 percent of the cost of running these ships, which is way more than say a, a railway train. Yeah, I was going to say on the on the recruiting side of things, uh, the work life balance is rather poor if you're married to the sea. <laughs> That's exactly right. And we see the backups of ships at L.A. with the uh, supply chain issues. So there's a real push to get this done. And I think uh, uh, the technology is, is there. And the, the good thing about this is you don't have 50 states arguing about what kind of regulation is best when you're in international waters or one organization, the uh, International Maritime Organization, that kind of sets the rules so that uh, you can have some tests on this. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.